0: Welcome to the Weekly Reboot, your regular Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. Well, here's some news that's come uh, from the Agile community here in Melbourne, which is Hannah Brown has left CIVO. Hannah Brown was interviewed by me in 2017, November, when she was the GM of CIVO. She's very active in the Australian tech community and her mission is all about building and growing amazing companies. In 2017, Sivo was two years old and 30 people strong. Bigger and stronger now, and Hannah has decided to move on. But I wanted to replay this interview and hear again what makes Hannah tick. I love catching up with Hannah. She's a force for good things, for women in tech and for tech leadership in general. Back then, I was podcasting primarily on the subject of women in tech and mentoring women.
1: Uh, um, My name is Hannah Brown, I'm the general manager of a software engineering, automation, cloud and DevOps firm called Sivo. We've been around for a bit over two years now um, and play solidly in the um, transformation space, helping customers um, build software with high levels of quality, more reliably with scalability. Primarily, our work is building the engineering capability of the Melbourne technology community. We're, we're pretty heavily invested in the idea of creating Melbourne as a bit of a tech mecca uh, in Australia, and, uh, and a lot of our work is helping companies um, more effectively deliver technology uh, and be better places and ecosystems for great technologists to work.
0: Wow, and it's really only two years. That's been a pretty meteoric rise. How, Thanks. How have you, Sebo
1: uh, we're almost thirty people now. Yeah, in a in a little over two years. So it's it's it's, it's been uh, a, a fantastic ride. It's been an enormous amount of fun, and um, and and we're very fortunate that um, the work that we're doing is work that customers are very interested in at the moment. Uh, and, and we expect that that strong growth to continue through twenty eighteen and beyond. I say so
0: too. And um, you're the general manager. Mm-hmm. How
1: uh, since the, the get-go. Um, I, again, was very fortunate um, when SIVO was um, an idea in someone else's mind. Um, they were keen for someone with the skills and experience that I had building businesses to, to help build that entity uh, in Victoria. So I was the first person on board. and uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was May 2015, oh, Victoria. I guess my career really... Um, Started um, after I'd, I'd worked at the British Consul General for a couple of years, and and worked out that, you know, very conservative hierarchies was not a place where I was going to thrive uh, in my career. Uh, I joined a small web development company called Friday Media, uh, and the founder of that company was a, a, a an incredible mentor to me, uh, Peter Hannan. Uh, when we first met, he said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Build companies." You know, I really, I really think that building businesses is where my passion lies
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he said well you know what you've got to do then and I said no I don't you know, <laughs> tell me he said uh, there's there's really two kinds of leaders in companies and he said you know a good chunk of the CEOs out there are salespeople and they're growth minded people that build organisations and he said and most of the rest are more finance and operations oriented leaders who are about optimising mm-hmm. um, and making things run smoothly. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not really an optimizer. And I looked at him and I said, so will you teach me how to sell then? And he said, absolutely, I will. And he said, and if you can sell, you can run any of my companies that you like. Wow. Um, so we went on to build Friday Media. Um, we saw uh, 10, 15-fold growth in that business over the course of two to three years. Um, then I moved into one of the other businesses, which was more of a More of a software consultancy and we we rebranded and rebadged that consultancy to be more of an in-house application development firm Mm -hmm. um, and started working in a very agile way and implementing those ways of working in in our internal team which was Mm -hmm. about 15 people um, and that was where I, I got noticed by ThoughtWorks. Um, so uh, our, our talent lead now is a, it's a phenomenal, remarkable um, uh, tech professional called Ebony Worth. She was the recruiter that crowbarred me out of the Hannon group of companies and into ThoughtWorks uh, and how small the world is. Uh, she's, she's now joined us and she's she's doing um, HR, recruiting, marketing for, for CBO now. Did like so. ThoughtWorks in the UK? No. No, no, okay. No, that was Sarah Howe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's when my career really started. Um, ThoughtWorks was a fantastic experience for me. That was really where I took my sales skills from a, a, a small to medium enterprise, effective salesperson right into into the enterprise. So with ThoughtWorks, um, I was able to cre- create partnerships with organisations like Coles, like World Vision, uh, Slater & Gordon, Leap Training, Australia Post, you know, really big brands and big names. And that was... Three years of, of incredible professional growth. Mm-hmm. Um, ThoughtWorks, with a, a, a very strong social and economic justice um, string to the, the bow, there was something that played very powerfully to my own views of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a chance to work with and meet some absolutely incredible and some of the most capable, amazing technologists in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, yeah and inspiring so,
0: them. <laughs> indeed. Um, some of them.
1: <laughs> well, organisational. Um, Mortality it is a thing, you yeah, know. Yeah, Every sure. organisation goes through different periods where the focus is different, and what and their goals are different, and what mm-hmm. they're trying to achieve is different. So, and individuals are on a different path as well. Exactly, Sometimes they're just
0: impatient, or looking around, or curious about other
1: stuff. Yep. Uh, so, uh, very lucky that being part of SIVO at this very high growth, um, it, it's a real opportune time to mm-hmm. create the change that we want to see in the world mm. i really i do think changing existing structures and systems and people and organizations is really hard that's mm. a you know it, it's it's a game i've been consulting around for a long time now um to create something new though that is the way you want to work that is the mm. a reflection of the ecosystem that you'd like the broader ecosystem to be that's been the most thrilling part of the sevo journey today it's yeah. been incredible just to create a, a a group and a culture and an ecosystem and a team um that is a, a reflection of of what we think the Melbourne tech community more broadly can look like mm.
0: that's kind mm. of cool nice mission to get behind thanks I happened to stumble across the video from Girl Geek Dinners ah. that you did and watched every single minute of it and lapped it up I really loved it did I have oh, to say you. and recommend it and you talked about the gender pay gap Mm. and you talked about us doing a better job at attracting and promoting tech industry to women
2: yep
0: i thought it was a really generous talk and you gave some awesome practical tips because bloody everyone's talking about women in tech now but some really awesome practical tips and it was delightful to see you speak because i hadn't seen you speak before oh cool thank Um, you so much um and you talked about knowing your value and gave a a lot of great tips on that. Mm. Um, but do you think women value... And we were talking, you were talking about salaries and asking um, for increases and the. I guess the sad story is that a, a lot of women are underpaid, don't know it, doesn't yep. even occur to them. But do you think yep. women value money less than other factors in the workplace?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, potentially, yes. Um, maybe we have a little more... Um, Diverse or broad views of what meaning and purpose are, um, and and I think women are naturally a bit less competitive than men. Um, salary is an easy quantifier; it's a it's a number. It it, it provides very clear distinction and, and ranking. If you know if that's the way you view the world and and how you you see your contribution or your worth or your value. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I'll... I, I, try not to speak generically on behalf of everyone from our gender um but if i think back to my relationships and the people that i spend time with um yeah I i would probably argue that that's maybe correct that women have a different view
0: yeah yeah and yourself as well so i remember one of the things you said was um you know, your decision to work in the places that you work, you know that you don't thrive in really large organisations. Mm. And you just mentioned the bureaucracy at the... What was it?
1: The British, the British Consulate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I imagine there's quite a bit of it there. Very, um, very traditional organisation. Yeah. I, I hear it's changed quite a lot now, though. Well, as, as you would
0: expect it naturally would, but probably slowly mm. in a really measured way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... And your decisions, then, to choose the roles that you've chosen or make the moves that you've made... Mm-hmm is money being a factor for you i i find for myself sometimes i preach to other people what preach i advise some women on what they should do and sometimes don't follow that advice myself
1: um thinking back on it now um i think i could have always argued for more salary um a lot of what i talk about uh, particularly in that gender pay gap talk is is drawn from personal experience and i look at um you know one example of an organization that i worked in i, I felt her, i felt terrific pressure for the pay rise that i got on mm-hmm. the way in um, I, and i was really doubting myself whether i was going to be able to perform to that and i put an enormous amount of pressure on myself to perform because i didn't believe that i was like i was excited at the mm-hmm. opportunity to think that i would be worth that amount But I didn't yet believe it. I hadn't yet proven it to myself. Um, And then I later on, um, you know, a male peer came in, um, argued for, you know, more than more came in at a higher level and didn't perform like entirely did not perform, but still was there for that period of time earning, you know, above what I was earning when I'd been there a year and was a proven performer. Um, So, yeah, I just uh, I, I. read a fantastic article over lunch today actually um about i'm gonna get the name wrong but it's uh, why why are there so many incompetent male leaders it was an article in the hbr and it examined the issue of competence versus confidence um and i really do think that 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 is one of the huge issues facing us in this space is to delineate between confidence and competence is really hard mm-hmm. and we do very often everyone's busy everyone's attention is being pulled in different directions all the time it's easy to get caught up in bluff and bluster it's easy to get caught up in someone who sounds like they know what they're talking about um, it's not easy to understand demonstrated competence and and evaluate based on that mm-hmm. um, yeah I'd agree and especially in the technology domain
0: you're often in complex situations. In complex situations it's easy to point to like a bunch of other reasons why things have gone yep. the way they've gone. Yep. And if you're confident at sort of stating
1: that, yep. Who's got the time and energy to disprove i guess yeah and in those complex ecosystems there's lots of places to hide it's easy to lay blame and justify and dodge responsibility and Mm. you know i guess they're they're all of the things that um you know people like you and i are fighting against Mm. in this industry we want transparency we want people taking responsibility we want open and honest collaboration we want to create harmonious working environments where Mm. everyone can come and be at their best and do their best um and and you know and people are rewarded accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I'd, I just don't think that's much to ask. No, no. <laughs> I don't even not think outrageous. that's ambitious. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> just human decency. Indeed. Mm. So do you find yourself in those conflicts? Uh, would they be happening at clients, or I assume not at a 30-person company where you've kind of got great values that you're aligned to?
1: Yeah, we, we don't. I, I don't personally see much of, of any of it in SIBO at all. Um, the effects of those kinds of behaviours and attitudes, though, definitely um, definitely impact us everywhere else we go, though. Uh, and quite often as a consulting organisation, that's where we're brought in, is where that complicated environment is um, is bogged down in either you know, poor process and systems and structure, poor leadership. Um, poor team performance or lack of capability or poor prioritisation or or workflow management, all of these things are are where we are usually um, brought in to to help and and to kind of structurally uh, resolve. Yeah.
0: And how do you, because you've got some awesome talent in your org. Thank you. Um, I had the pleasure of working with some of them who (laughs) left the orgs I was working. how do they deal with those? Because they're not. They might be. I don't want to talk for everyone here, but they might be great at their technical skills. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so great at those kind of complex people scenarios. Mm-hmm. Do they? Do they, are they calling upon you to for guidance in those areas, or?
1: Well, you've hit the nail on the head with probably the two biggest themes for professional development in our organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are keen to mature their technical capability. Um, are attracted to a place like Sivo because there's some, some really talented technologists that work with us. Um, on the other hand, some of those really deeply talented technologists are looking for opportunities to build their influencing and communication skills, their commercial nous, their ability to navigate those difficult political or, or challenging structural situations. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think maybe that's a part of the secret sauce that our organisation is that we provide those opportunities we we deliberately create those opportunities, um, and that meshes really really beautifully with um, the demand that we're seeing in market at the moment. Yeah. It's a little bit of a perfect storm of right place, right time, right people. Mm. So yeah, mm. it's all got to fit together though, and it has to be in the interests of um, of doing what's best for the clients. Like yeah. At the end of the day, there's no one that pays our bills except them. Mm-hmm. So you know everything we do is to to help them deliver software more effectively. Yeah, yeah. very
0: cool. I'm glad you mentioned the HBR because I read that as well. And uh, I read this article just yesterday that um, I actually blogged straight away because I was freaking out about it. Awesome. Um, they had done a study where they had uh, quantified and sort of proven with data and these devices that women were wearing and mm-hmm. men were wearing in the workplace that um, men and women were treated differently yeah wow (laughs) but I didn't i didn't know whether to feel really happy and hopeful about that or really to feel quite depressed about that Mm. um and the only thing i could resolve to was well we've we've got to create awareness we've got Mm -hmm. to confront bias in ourselves and in others about how we're treating women in exactly the same situations and circumstances differently from men
1: um well, the first challenge is to surface the problem. Yeah,
0: um, how have you yeah. found that?
1: <laughs> oh, well, if we've got data on it now, that'd be great. Um, yeah. I read another research piece a couple of months ago that was very interesting around transgender individuals. Yeah, there was some beautiful data in their experiences as men and as women. Oh wow! That was probably one of the points of um, uh, of truth, I guess, or or data on on difference in treatment hmm. for Give someone uh, of exactly the same so there was a there was one I'm using recall now so if I get a couple of the details yeah. wrong please forgive me um, there was one research scientist who had been uh, a woman and uh, and later became a man uh, and she found that he found that his renowned prestige um, and credit was given a lot more credit, was given... Um, there was even in, an example of a review from a particular individual who had said, um, you know, as a woman, that the scientists really didn't know what they were talking about and hadn't really represented their their, their data and research very well, mm-hmm. and then seeing that same scientist later as a man um, had, you know, had had very well-formed views and was very articulate and, and you know, was presented a very compelling case when... Frankly, when it was the same individual, mm. just at, at a different point in time in yeah. their career, yeah.
0: so um, I've heard those stories of you know people that say, send emails and they sign off with a like a a, a non-gendered name and get yep. a different response for like then if they sign off with a Cindy or a Sally or whatever, yep. which is really maddening. And look, I kind of I kind of. Sw- sway from being, like, really excited and energised by the way that the world's turning and it feels like that awareness is growing mm. to the point where I'm just, like, so annoyed, depressed and feeling like I need to be marching on the streets about it. How do you how do you choose kind of, you know, where you try and make impact, I think, and, and not put yourself in the radical feminist and still get along with everyone? Yep. Bring everyone on the journey. Got any tips?
1: Ah. Uh look there's a bit of an emotional range there for sure um i'm just finishing reading i'm in the final chapters of malcolm gladwell's the tipping point um and that has been extremely enlightening read for understanding at a process and structural level what creates epidemics Mm -hmm. basically everything from you know crime rates in new york to to um you know Smoking. I should think better. That there, there should be more positive examples than that, but uh, they're the two that come to mind. Yeah. Um, so, I think like any big, hairy, audacious goal, you have to, you have to be extremely cognizant of the milestones that you set yourself. You know, if you're trying to turn the Titanic, you're not going to be able to do that alone, and you're not going to be able to do it in a day. So you have to work out ways to surround yourself with like-minded people who can add. Um, momentum to what you're trying to achieve people that are invested in that for their own reasons and and so you can collaboratively build a a network a a coalition if you like of people working towards that end to to help you get scale Mm -hmm. and you've got to be really sensible about how you measure that and and how you how you celebrate success and how you measure you know um, shifting the needle there has to be wins along the way to mm. sustain that energy and help build the momentum
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah I, I think I think a lot about SMART goals the uh, specific measurable achievable relevant time bound um, and making Melbourne one of the best tech scenes in the you know I don't think we'll ever be San Francisco but you know we might be able to rival you know Berlin and, or Austin mm-hmm. or um, you know or Cities like that—it's a really nebulous goal. Mm-hmm. It's a really nebulous goal. How do you measure whether you're getting closer to that or further away from it? Um, uh, my only—I um, guess—people exiting the exiting Melbourne for for better jobs overseas mm-hmm. is probably a, a bit of a mm. yardstick for that one. But with <laughs> those people coming back, or people coming back, indeed. Um, so working out how you can feel like you've achieved progress so that you can sustain and and build that momentum Mm -hmm. um, to create a tipping point I think is um, is is probably the best way but you're right like some days it feels like you are absolutely everything in the world is against you and you are swimming against the current and why are we doing this and are we getting anywhere and then there's other days where you have a couple of big wins, or a couple of little wins, or even just someone gives you some feedback that's really, really pertinent mm-hmm. to what um, to, to to your sense of purpose and your sense of meaning, and and that can really that can sustain you for months. Mm. That can give you the energy and the motivation and the drive to 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 you know continue working on that for a long time. Mm. So just being able to being able to pat yourself on the back every now and then, and you know celebrate your successes along the way, and um, and see progress. Mm. So much of that's perception rather
0: than, you know. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned energy because that was one of the things. I remember someone asking me about you and I remember describing you as someone who's kind of like, she's got a really amazing energy. So, so how much. come you have this kind of grit and energy and, you know, joie de vivre? <laughs> Why are you so gritty? <laughs> what's, what's happened in your life that's made you like this? Wow. Are you a black sheep in the family or are you all like this?
1: Um... Uh, my t- my two sisters are are, are incredibly remarkable women. Um, uh, one is one of the is a very very well known face on the the global coffee circuit. She was a um, competing at the Australian Barista Champs when she was 23 years old. Um, she was a judge at the World Barista Champs mm. within a couple of years of that. she's started specialist coffee, coffee places all across Europe uh, and is now re- residing in, um, in, in Oslo in Norway um, <laughs> building a donut business. Um, my other sister is a poetry writing, yoga teaching, totally connected to the earth kind of individual who is extremely she's an extremely calming influence and she's a real old soul she's someone who you just um you, you feel like has has kind of seen it all before and done it all before even though she's my younger sister yeah. um so yeah i think we're all really different i i have no idea where it came from you know my my mum and dad are both
0: just dropping in here briefly to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by last conference LAST stands for Lean Agile System Thinking, and the theme this year is Find Your Edge. It will be jam-packed full of fantastic talks and workshops from our community that will help you find your edge in the area of lean, agile, and system thinking. It will be on in Melbourne on the 30th of July, and you can register for your tickets at www.lastconference.com. It's also gonna be on in Adelaide, Brisbane, Canberra, Sydney, and also, especially this year, there will be a remote version of the last conference. More on that in coming episodes. Now back to Hannah.
1: I, I have no idea where it came from. You know, my mum my and dad are both uh, amazing and quite normal people. Mum's a hairdresser and, and dad dad was a, a meat inspector and a and a teacher at TAFE and now he works with um, the, the Country Fire Authority, the C F A. Um you know, we grew up on a farm having oh, lots well. of adventures and yeah. um I don't know. I always had a make my choose my own adventure kind of attitude to life, and um, and I'm naive or bold enough to believe that we can be the change we want to see in the world. That we that we don't have to just accept the way that things are. That things can be challenged. Things can be changed. Um, you know, we're at a point in history where we're seeing technological evolution just exponentially increasing all the time so uh I don't know a bit of a glass half full kind of yeah, opportunistic optimistic. opportunist yeah um, optimistic opportunist I should say so um yeah I don't know and it's fun isn't it yeah, doing doing stuff that's different <laughs> yeah. making that's, a difference um absolutely. moving things forward yeah just get a bit of a kick out of it really
0: What <laughs> on you um, I'm one of three sisters as well. So, yeah,
1: nice. Yeah,
0: I think there is something in that. Did you have brothers? No. Yeah, so I'm sure there's something in not having a competition with a with a boy in the family as well. Yeah, maybe right. that's a little bit of a pet theory of mine. Yeah, right. My mum once said to my daughter, um, "Tidy up your room, Chloe. Girls are tidy." And I thought, God, thank God I never had brothers because <laughs> I would have hated to be raised as having to be tidier than a brother yeah mm. so i not like, just like geez that was a lucky escape anyway <laughs> um so one of the things you talked about just bringing you back to your talk was um you know talk, taking about taking personal responsibility for you know, kind of stating what what you you're worth yep um i listened to a great podcast as well where they talked about how to ask for a raise if you're a woman stand in front of the mirror and just keep saying a higher number until you start laughing.
1: Yeah, awesome. (laughs) I love it.
0: Yeah, which reminded me a bit about, you know, you writing it down, be really clear about what you want. Um, Practice saying it. Practice saying saying it until it doesn't sound silly anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something about you know I, I would totally agree with the majority of roles, and certainly in technology that would be the case. But mm. I know for myself, I found that harder when you get into the really senior roles mm. when you really don't really know what the wage bands are, and you know sometimes it can be quite surprise and shocked to find what GMs of particular roles inside large organizations, you know what they're earning. Mm. And the competition is a bit tougher, obviously, and then that's when the competitiveness, I think really, um, kicks in and there are less role models around you in those kind of senior mm-hmm. roles and you've mm-hmm. obviously held senior roles at orgs and orgs like ThoughtWorks who are really kind of well known for being a great employer for women. Mm. Um, so I was kind of, I was thinking, you know, do you notice, do, is there a difference at those very senior roles that you see or perceive? Um, and I also want to ask about the as well. Mm.
1: Um. I'm sure there is. I guess I don't have a lot of exposure, though, to it, to be mm. perfectly honest. The, the senior roles I have held have been more um, roles I've created for myself. Mm. Rather than, like thought, the role with thought, ThoughtWorks would probably be the only one um, where that was an established role that I um, took on as mm. opposed to something that I created. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure I've yeah. really got an opinion. Yeah, I think
0: I, what your practical advice of saying kind of what range are we looking at. Yeah. Is a really good question, yeah. um, which I think I've probably never asked before. But you know, for example, as a as a, um, a little bit of a case study, yeah. <laughs> a bit of data for you, yeah. I've actually been, I've actually been in salary negotiations and mm-hmm. said, yeah, that looks fine, and then had the role been given more.
1: Yeah, wow lovely. Which made
0: me realise, well, one, the person in charge of that decision had my back, but two, I hadn't e- even got near to, kind of what the mid range probably was for yeah, that wow. role in my negotiation.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. There's even less data at that level yeah. around what is appropriate. Um, yeah, I guess understanding the internal lay of the land and what budget they've got available for that. Mm. like As a salesperson, that's a question I'm used to asking fairly regularly mm. um, is what's been set aside for that. So trying to get some sense of that along throughout the process mm. might help a little more with the yeah. negotiation towards the end. Yeah,
0: and also I think like I wonder if I've ever thought... I've never thought badly of anyone who's asked for something that's just way too much as well. Mm. I've never kind of thought, well, they're crazy. They're miles out of the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. You can always just say, to them, no, well, that's our ballpark.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So, mm. yeah.
0: Um. So you're hanging around a lot of these cool digital companies, growing rapidly. Thank you. Um, what's that like? What are you seeing in these other orgs? What are the trends?
1: <sighs> Look... The big end of town is really embracing cloud at the moment. Um, We've been doing a lot of work over the last couple of months with our our very good friends, Amazon Web Services. Um, What that organisation is achieving um, is absolutely staggering in terms of changing the landscape for enterprise organisations, being able to be more dynamic in their technology. Um, The the migration to cloud is... um, is providing air cover for a lot of really sound engineering practice mm, uplift. That's a good observation. So, um, you know, moving off our existing infrastructure in a way that's going to give us reliability and scalability is also a beautiful opportunity for refactoring and rearchitecting um enterprise applications in a way that's going to make them more sustainable and scalable going forward um i personally love um the way cloud hosting exposes um dysfunction in software delivery in the software delivery life cycle Mm -hmm. i think it leaves nowhere to hide for poor engineering practices and i think it's a beautiful reality check for our whole industry around capability building um you know we're not like the legal profession or the accounting professional or other professional services where we um hold ourselves to a standard of training and professional development and you know we don't even really have any um i would argue we don't Mm. really have any industry bodies that really effectively um represent technology, you know, at a government level or 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 in the community. So anything I think that holds us to an account, to account for producing a higher standard of quality and a higher standard of work um, is something that's going to benefit our whole community, every business in our community. Um, If 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 every technologist was, you know, seven point eight percent better at mm. their job imagine what the bottom line impact would be for them for the Melbourne business community or the Australian business community um, so yeah I think um, I think cloud is driving potentially a whole bunch of behavior change that will be really positive mm. um, I think also it's exposing or, or creating the opportunity for leaders to discuss things like how we prioritize work um, how we re-engineer process. Um, our our organisations are complex systems that have evolved over a long period of time and every now and then you've got to bring the broom through and yeah. just sweep away the dead wood. Yeah. Um, you know, you've spent a, a huge chunk of your career playing in this exact space as well. If so yeah, there's m- no process to remove process, we can sure add a lot more on top. <laughs> <it>. Yes. <laughs> but we've got to come through every now and then and yeah. just clear the decks and, and burn away some of that dead wood and that's a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I see the 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 move towards cloud being a a really, um, really great opportunity for us to look at a whole bunch of things, and gives the leaders the air cover to look at a whole bunch of. Um, practical
0: improvements yeah there was a time when um when cloud was quite new everyone was a bit freaked out about about it and Mm. and insisted on building their own replications of the cloud (laughs) and private cloud and stuff like that so that's gone
1: away has it um look at there's still a little bit of it around but i would suggest that we've fairly solidly moved into the um uh the early adopter phase uh, the early majority phase you know i think we're past innovators we're past early adopters now we're into the um yeah, into the um, solidly into the bell curve of of companies that are looking to use cloud to to more effectively, you know, be an adaptable, flexible technology company. Mm, Coolness.
0: Mm. Um, so. I just did want to ask about ThoughtWorks because it is – I'm an ex-thought worker as well. Or um, what does does, – It's a nice club to be a part of, the the ex-thoughtworks club. I can't remember his name. Oh, Lachlan Hennessy calls us the Afterthoughts. Afterthoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, So they're – I think they've won Best uh, Workplace – either for women or Best Workplace in totality again mm. uh, this year. Mm. And um, I know that wasn't the case when I worked with Thorworks, and I'm not sure if it was when you worked with Works, but they are an awesome organisation in lots of ways. Mm. Why couldn't they retain you, Hannah? Uh,
1: oh, look, that's a that's a long story for over a, over a beer as opposed to on a podcast, <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I... ThoughtWorks and I had done some fantastic work together. Um, It was very mutually beneficial for both the organisation and myself personally. I think um, my time there had had come to an end. I had ambitions beyond what I think the organisation had appetite for for me to, you know, I I was still very driven by building businesses. I was still very driven to um, create something that has a significant impact Um, uh, and I think where ThoughtWorks was in its in its journey, and I think if we look at um, you know the the recent acquisition by Apex, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of people that actually knew that that was coming well before that different that different occurred. Uh, and and for my own personal journey, um, that was d- diverging from where ThoughtWorks was going. And and you know paths converge and diverge, and that's okay. Um, so yeah, I think it made sense, and and I think it was it was a pretty it, it was the right. Outcome at the time, so yeah, three years a good stint. anywhere, I'd
0: say now these days, yeah,
1: I certainly feel like I grew a lot, learnt a lot, but I I feel also that I gave uh, a huge amount to ThoughtWorks as an organisation, both on the commercial front and um, being involved in some of the social and economic justice um, initiatives like uh, the defending the free internet, and um, yeah, that was that was hugely exciting and Mm. really beneficial. They're doing a hack in Brisbane
0: about that. Uh, right. free internet yeah I just noticed it on my Twitter feed before so yeah. can I justify going to Brisbane maybe <laughs> um, so what do you reckon on this crazy journey that you're still on riding this tiger <laughs> um, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself and your abilities
2: well that's a really good question
1: i think the thing that maybe has surprised me the most um, is how open people are to help um i've always been someone who and maybe you know growing up on the farm or just being a, a bullheaded um we can reshape the world kind of perspective sort of person i've I've never been afraid to roll my sleeves up and get things done. I've always relied on myself and my own abilities. Um, And I think probably one of the things I took the most from ThoughtWorks was learning really how to collaborate. Mm. I think I was always enjoyed collaboration, but I think I really gained the skills to do that well Mm. in ThoughtWorks. Um, And I've been amazed, at if I look back over the course of my career, how many incredible people took time to offer advice offer feedback um, provide guidance or mentoring or support or um, or or even just ask questions in a way that allowed you to reflect on things and and maybe come to a a change in perspective Um, yeah our 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 technology community in Melbourne is filled with r- really remarkable people mm. who who are generous and and care a lot um, about ha- about helping other people. I guess are mm. just intrinsically motivated to help other people, um, and it's been really amazing what um, how people have rallied and come together in support of. Um, the change that we're talking about driving through the community. How many people are invested in, 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 helping the Melbourne community be the best version mm. of, of, yeah. There's always that it can a be.
0: a decent cohort um, working at REA. Definitely showed oh. me that like any cause like. They're there
1: on the weekend, no problem.
0: Yep. Teaching women DevOps, we're here. Oh the DevOps <laughs> Girls just,
1: Initiative was absolutely remarkable. Yeah, yeah. It is absolutely remarkable actually. Something should
0: say. for the Yes campaign?
1: No yeah. problem. Oh.
0: Change a logo, we can do that. Yeah, <laughs> the so yes brilliant. campaign. Uh, the white yeah. ribbon stuff. It's just yeah, it's really quite uh, it is inspiring because these are all kind of people that are deep within technology companies and mm-hmm. technologists and they've got like these big hearts and they want to give back. Jobs.
1: Mm. yeah um, th- that's been a bit of a surprise for me I guess I come from a you know do-it-yourself kind of mindset yeah um, it's really remarkable how much help is out there if you ask for it mm. and if you fly a flag and and you know you're moving in a certain direction and you're you're talking about that and you're promoting that and you're putting that out there mm. it's really incredible how many people I've found just come out of no out of the woodwork and out of nowhere mm-hmm. to help. Mm. You know? So learning to ask for help, you reckon, um, and accept, recognise where help's being offered, and yeah. accept help. Okay, yeah, is is hugely important. There's lots and lots of people who just, if you if you read between the lines of their comments, um, I remember having a conversation. Um, you know, when, when Colin Panaset joined our organization and you know he is one of the most remarkable technologists. Yeah, yeah, absolutely in our community, I, I have such respect for him. We, we ran into each other at, um, at an Amazon event uh, and I just remember you know I, was, I sort of said, oh you know I really loved your talk and we'd met once or twice and um, and we were just got chatting and, and I remember he just looked at me and he kind of he sort of just tapped me a little bit on my arm and he said, about someone who joined our company, oh, I'm, I'm I'm really glad that person's back in the family, and I, I just remember thinking to myself, wow, you know, he just called me family, you know, yeah, like yeah. we're acquaintances at absolute best, and 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 you know, there's there's something to that, mm. and I said, oh, maybe we should grab a coffee when we get back to to Melbourne, and he said, yep, yep, absolutely, and yeah, within a pretty short space of time of that coffee, we were talking about mm. coming and joining us, but. You know being able to pick up I guess on little subtle signals like that from people and then be become have the curiosity to explore that further mm. um, there's a lot of people whose own goals and objectives and ambitions um, and drive crosses over with yours and mm. and working out where the, the those Venn diagrams cross over helps us to, to have a bigger impact it helps us to mm. Magnify that um, momentum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You
0: opened a door for me as well. I remember. Oh, did I? Um, I think when you introduced me to James at Luna, and you know, we sort of known each other, but it was kind of like cementing that introduction. So there you go.
1: Oh, it's just paying it forward isn't yeah. it you know, we all need a hand at different mm. points in our career and, and, mm. and at other points we'll be in a position where we've got much more capability to help other people so yeah, correct. it's a bit yeah. swings and roundabouts yeah
0: we might be in a, in a point where we need help as well mm. yeah I always kind of do I, I try and do that networking generously because it tends to pay back yep. in some kind of butterfly wing flap at some point yeah. somewhere I yeah. find the same
2: thing Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, you finished up your talk on a pretty full-on topic which was psychological safety which I'm super glad you did Um, and this is the first day I've actually interviewed anyone since the whole Harvey Weinstein stuff broke Um, because yeah I'm that kind of news reporter that I'm
1: (laughs) hot on the issues (laughs) Um, oh it's a big one with a lot to shake out I
0: don't know you're shaking out forever Mm. but what did it bring up if anything for you do you have any stories on that Mm. you talk about speaking up about it I totally agree do you think Mm. But I I remember thinking to myself, oh, I reflected and thought, actually I have a Me Too story, which I'd sort of learned to kind of go twenty years ago. Well, that happened and it was no big deal. Schooled myself to believe it was no big deal and to be expected. Um, Do you think there's going to be like a kind of dam of stories that can break in the tech industry or?
1: Well, didn't we see um, the ramifications of that incredible engineer who wrote the blog about Uber? a few mm. months ago, like that was staggering, the effect that that had on our community. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very pleased that the behaviour that Harvey Weinstein's clearly been perpetrating for many years has has finally been exposed and is being um, labelled and condemned yeah. appropriately yeah. by, you know, a... Sp- most of humanity that's Mm. that's really refreshing and that's Mm. wonderful to see Um, but yeah absolutely I've got me two stories Um, and to me what has been more interesting I guess than than those specific events themselves has been other people's responses to them yeah um, and and how that's been handled in organizations um, frankly, uh, there, was, there was one time where I was part of a, a situation which was um, relatively, um, relatively unpleasant, but it paled into comparison um, with how that organisation handled that after the event. Um, yeah, I'd planned not to, to talk about it. I yeah. was um, encouraged by a colleague that it's extremely important to, to, to mm. make that known. Um, And then the way that the company dealt with that afterwards was... It was appalling, to be perfectly honest. It was horrific. I I was... the closing ranks for the company rather
0: than um, the individual? I
1: think it was um, incompetence, to Mm. be perfectly honest. Um, You know, there was discussions where I was asked what I was wearing and if I asked for it. Um, There was you know, thing, points made that it was it was outside of work hours and it wasn't an a work event so there was nothing that could be done about it. Um, it was mishandled for like horrifically for about three weeks, which was pretty and a pretty uncomfortable time. It was recommended that I work from home while it was all dealt with. It I sends said, a
0: message to never like talk about this. <laughs>
1: And I I said, look, I'm not a victim and I won't behave like a victim and I won't be treated like a victim. So, you know, I I understand that your suggestion is is with the best intentions, Mm. but it's not helpful. Mm. So, you know, if you don't want both of us in the office while you sort this out, perhaps he should be the (laughs) one who works from home uh, rather than me anyway. I think we've got a long way to go in handling these issues well and I really like the Me Too campaign because I like the idea of us taking personal responsibility for improving this stuff. I don't mm. want to just sit back and go, oh, all these organisations, you know, let this stuff happen. It's kind of like, well, no, what are we doing mm. to shift that? Um, and I, um, I, I think as, an, as women and, um, and as a community, we can send a very strong message that these types of behaviour won't be tolerated and we can implement policies and and, um, and, and approaches in our organisations to handle these issues deftly mm. and diplomatically and appropriately where they come up, um, I, I want to shift the shame mm. from the victim to the bully. Um, and while ever we feel like we should just be, stay quiet and, and cop it, um, and while we feel like we don't we feel powerless to speak up about it and that we feel like we'll be shamed if we speak up about it you know we've really got to shift that and i see open dialogue and and shared vulnerability around sharing some of those stories Mm. as as a really powerful way to start to overcome that you know if this is something that we can talk about openly and it's and it's not seen as you know reputational risk to to bring up this kind of stuff Mm. um yeah, in SEVO, we've actually spent a little bit of time um, with the whole team, not just the, the women in our team, talking about how to handle um, sexual harassment or, um, or or those kinds of uh, incidences. And, and basically, we want to call it where we see it mm. and then exit from this situation we don't want to sit there and pretend that what that person said is okay yeah. um and that we're going to just abide by that you know the standard that we walk past is the standard we accept and you know while we don't want to go on a crusade hmm. at the same time too we we want to start um not walking past these incidences where they occur yeah yeah and I think I, th- I think that's really tough because I talk to you know women who who've, who've really forged a path for the rest of us you know the the people Mm. who's the the giants whose shoulders we're standing on now um and it has been so much worse in the past and Mm. um and and things that are seen as um you know survivor bias is totally something that i've seen from from Hmm. Experienced well, women of ab- objectives, so, you know, this is nothing
0: kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly,
1: like that's that's the way it is. That's yeah. a part of forging a career yeah, in yeah. this in this environment a in this of ecosystem. Almost. Yeah, <laughs> not necessarily a rite of passage, but just you know, you will you'll never get anywhere if you keep ca- if you call it out because mm. it's a fact. It's a part of the game, mm. and I'm sort of thinking, well. I don't know. The game's changing all the time. I think we can continue to sh- we can continue to change it and nudge it in the right direction. And you know, I've got a I've got a daughter. One of one of three girls myself, and mm-hmm. I've got a daughter. And I absolutely want her to feel comfortable moving into the STEM world. Mm-hmm. I think science is cool. I don't like math so much, but technology <laughs> and engineering is brilliant. Yeah. Um. It, you know, it enables us to create. It enables us to imagine and to um to build things and to forge totally new directions and paths for humanity. There's so much opportunity in these worlds. I don't want it to be the boys' domain. I don't want mm. it to be a place where, you know, there's there's three women graduates from computer software engineering and, and you know, 113 men. Mm. You know, where tech is, is such a cool place to play. Mm. So I don't want it to be a place that's seen as, as dangerous or as, as unwelcoming for women.
0: Mm. Awesome. Um, just finish off on a question. Shoot. Um, what's the future hold for Hannah? Oh, um, that's a great question. Um, I imagine you're pretty busy. <laughs> Do you ever get time to devote to, the, to that question?
1: Um, I'm, I'm really excited about where I'm at mm. in, in life right now. I, I don't think I've ever had a phase in my life where I've felt so excited, comfortable, confident, so where I should be. Um, I think the SIVO journey is, is is intimately intermingled with my own personal journey at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited for our business. Um, I, uh, I I think we'll, we'll very much likely be setting up a New South Wales office. Oh. Um, next year mm. uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, my A little lot girl... of time on
0: the plane for you
1: Hannah. Maybe <laughs> maybe. Um, potentially uh, my little girl starts school next year oh, so um, like I think the next five years is probably fairly set out for me already mm. and uh, you know blue sky after that like what's what's possible. Uh, I, I harbour Uh, faint aspirations of of one day being invited in uh, at a very senior level to a large organisation to help it move in a more Mm -hmm. um, open, transparent, network-based, away-from-command-and-control and and hierarchy kind of transformation. I'd I'd love potentially to be uh, someone who who is capable of and and successful at achieving those kinds of transformations. Um, At the same time, too, building companies is something that i derive a huge amount of um you know personal satisfaction from so maybe i'll just keep building companies for the rest of my career so that'd be awesome
0: um oh that's surprising that big company because i was going to say could a big company ever attract you because i know that you said frustrated with bureaucracy which i would compare with um so what would it take for those? Because well,
1: the right role maybe. The trick with those companies is always well, they're a bit of a trap from a financial perspective. I've seen a lot of people go in mm, on big, big, pay, yeah, the golden <laughs> handcuffs. Exactly. Um, I think it would need to be. A, I I have a a hypothesis at this point in my uh, life and my career that actually where we are going to be able to move the needle the most on um, changing the way. Uh, our organisations value and use tech and innovation is at board level. I see a a sway of conservatism at board level um, and executive level across Australia. I think it comes from a a well-developed muscle memory from the mining boom, Mm. where we've we've created a generation of organisational leaders who are um, adept and effective at transactional... um, Uh, leadership, you know, a ton of iron ore, a ton of coal, or a ton of uranium, that's really industrial age leadership and thinking for me. And in digital age, helping a group of creatives and technologists come together in the appropriate ways to solve a complicated problem. Um, A hierarchical command and control approach is not effective and does not support that ecosystem. So... Fundamentally, the way our organisations are run is incompatible with getting the best outcomes and the most successful outcomes from a group of technologists and creatives. So seeing that change from industrial age leadership to digital age leadership is something that I'm very invested in. And I think a greater education around the opportunities in tech and with innovation at board and executive level in Australia could have a radical and very dramatic impact on the way that our organisations are run. Um, So, yeah, I've been mulling over the idea of how we could help people who are non-executive directors and and executive leadership in organisations. Appreciate and understand technology in a way that allows us to deliver our creative best at the at the coalface level um, could have a pretty radical impact. So that is that's that's a concept. So reading really between around. the lines,
0: I'm thinking as long as there's radicalness in it <laughs>
1: at the right level. Well, I think you know the right appetite is is absolute must you know in any change transformation initiative if you don't have um, the appropriate executive sponsorship and support and the ability to bend or break the rules to deliver fantastic customer outcomes these initiatives just wither on the vines so i mean i'd love to see a tech champion at on the board of every organization Mm -hmm. and sadly at the moment from my anecdotal evidence um, having someone who uh has some tech capability or competence is uh, is an exception rather than a rule. That's and true. when technology underpins so much of what we do, that just mm. feels like madness to yeah. me. That feels like we're really missing a trick there. But. Yeah, you're right. What about um, politics? You could speak up. Hand <laughs> up a PM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I have no idea. I think that would <laughs> probably be a complete disaster, but it would probably be enormous fun. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I stopped reading, uh, I stopped reading about politics and, and reading news associated with politics when uh, when Tony Abbott was elected Prime Minister and I haven't had a reason to go back yet. <laughs> I think uh, I, I have a happier demeanour and, a, and yeah. a more positive view on life by actually avoiding all of that rot and nonsense that goes on. So, good call. But I'd love someone to tidy it up. That would be great. <laughs> if someone did that, just, you know, led for good as opposed to for their own uh, brand and ego, that would be wonderful. Yeah.
0: Hannah, it's
1: been
0: wonderful talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that was Hannah. She's a delight and it was really good to interview her. So I knew that I had to repost it from our Reboot Co. Weekly Reboot podcast when I heard her news. I'll be interested to see where she goes next. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Reboot, your regular Friday debrief coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. Get in touch with us at rebootme at rebootco.com.au. Make sure you rate, review and subscribe to the Weekly Reboot in your podcast app and we'll be coming back after next Friday at four o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Ciao for now. This week's Weekly Reboot was brought to you by Last Conference.